Good morning, my fellow ballers. Welcome back to another episode of Ball with Tyler Todd. You on this episode, we have some MLB action, basketball action, and also some college action. You could say just catching up on my former Sun Devils. But first, we're starting off with baseball. This is an article I found from MLB.com, and it goes like this: What one free agent should every team try to attack or try to go after? So starting in the American League East, the Blue Jays, the first team on the list, we have Kevin Gosman, right-handed pitcher. Re-signing Robbie Ray likely will be the Blue Jays' first priority, but if the left-hander departs for a new club, Toronto will seek another frontline starter to pair with Jose Barrios atop the rotation. Gosman, a first-time All-Star in 2021, has excelled in back-to-back seasons, making him one of the better options on the market this offseason. Having accepted a qualifying offer last winter, he also won't cost a draft pick to sign. Okay, pretty awesome. Looking good so far. Next, the Orioles potentially may sign Chris Owens, infielder, outfielder. The Orioles have brought in a number of veteran infielders via free agency in recent years, including Jose Iglesias, Freddie Galvis, and Mikel Franco. Baltimore will look to add middle infield, catching and pitching help this winter. Owings, a versatile defender who can play three infield positions in all three outfield spots, would fit the bill. Okay, Orioles still have a long time in the rebuild phase, but who even knows if they'll ever get out of it because they're just so far behind. Next on the list is the Tampa Bay Rays. Potentially may go and get Corey Kluber, right-handed pitcher. The Rays pursued Kluber last offseason before he signed with the Yankees. Tampa Bay will look to fill out its rotation this offseason making Kluber a potential target once again. Kluber pitched well when healthy last season, 3.83 ERA and 16 starts, though he only threw 80 innings. The 35-year-old is another year removed from the shoulder injury that sidelined him for most of 2020, getting up there in age, but he can still huck it. Next on the list is the Red Sox, potentially may go out and sign Marcus Simeon, shortstop slash second baseman. The Red Sox have Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers banning the left side of the infield, but Simeon proved to be a solid second baseman in 2021 with Toronto, so he could easily slot in there for Boston, and not just solid, he literally finished third in MVP voting this year, so it's pretty awesome. Simeon would strengthen an already impressive lineup, and at the age of 31, he won't require as many guaranteed years as some of the other free agent shortstops. Okay, right on, dude. And the last team in the AL AL East, the New York Yankees, this has pretty much been the talk of the town because the shortstop market has been absolutely huge on the agency market this offseason. But the number one guy, Corey Seager, he's potentially going to the Yankees right here. General Manager Brian Cashman has made no secret of his plan to upgrade the shortstop position this winter with Seager and Korea seemingly atop the Yankees' wish list. Seager's left-handed bat would appear to be a better fit for New York's right-handed heavy lineup. Please go there because then the Dodgers get worse, which is awesome. <laughs> now, moving divisions, we're on to the AL Central now. The Guardians, which is, for anybody that doesn't know, that's Cleveland. They obviously changed the name. Jorge Soler in the outfield. So former Brave potentially maybe going to Cleveland. Cleveland is in dire need of some pop from the outfield, making the reigning World Series most valuable player a nice fit. The Guardians are familiar with Soler from his royal days in the AL Central, And while he isn't the top outfielder available on the market, he could fall into Cleveland's price range. Hmm. Make it happen. Next team on the list is the Kansas City Royals. Eight free agent they're looking at is Ryan Tapera, right-handed pitcher. The Royals 
will try to bolster the relief core this offseason, looking at such options as Tapera, Colin McHugh, and Yimmy Garcia. Tapera had the best season of his career, posting a 2.7 ERA and 65 appearances for the Cubs and White Sox, so he should be in demand with so many teams looking for bullpen upgrades. Mm. And those are actually some impressive stats, really. Next on the list, the Detroit Tigers. One free agent they should they could potentially get is Carlos Correa, the other big, big name shortstop on the free agency market. After making strides toward competitiveness last season, the Tigers appear ready to take the next step in 2022. Adding a premier talent such as Correa would go a long way. And AJ Hinch, Correa's former manager in Houston, will try to sell the shortstop on the team's bright future, though it will likely take an offer in the $340 million range to get a deal done. Yeah, okay, I'm sure that Carlos Correa is worth that much. Get out of here, dude. That's such baloney. <laughs> anyway, but yes, he would be a good fit because like the like the Tigers and like the Orioles, they are two teams and the Pirates, honestly, and the Marlins, four teams that are really in the are in a huge rebuild phase but are going to be good in like three, four, five years. So like it said, tempting to maybe go there, but he's going to need a big contract to end up going there because Detroit is they're an awful franchise. Next on the list is the Minnesota Twins. A potential free agent that they should sign is Danny Duffy, left-handed pitcher. The Twins need to add pitching this winter, but Minnesota seems unlikely to spend on any of the top arms on the market. Duffy threw only 61 innings in 2021 thanks to injuries, but the Twins have seen what the left-hander can do as a solid mid-rotation option during his years with the Royals. Yeah. Danny Duffy, I mean, I, I think the Padres were even trying to get him at the deadline this past year. So, obviously, he still draws a lot of attention from all the ball clubs. Next on the list is the Chicago White Sox. A potential free agent that they could acquire is Jacques Peterson, outfielder. So, everyone knows Jacques Peterson. The White Sox could try Andrew Vaughn and or Gavin Sheets in right field by adding a solid bat such as Peterson. A player the Sox have previously expressed interest in would give manager Tony La Russa more options. Peterson's last great year came in 2019, but he had some big moments during the Braves World Series run and brings plenty of postseason experience, and he's good. I mean, dude, he's actually he's a very good baseball player. I wish the Padres would go out and get him. Literally anybody that gets him, they're going to get a for-sure power bat with some above-average defense. Like, come on, dude, why would you not want that? Okay, done with that division. Now moving on to the American League West for the Los Angeles Angels. Carlos Rondon, left-handed pitchers, the potential free agent that they should go out and target. Despite signing Syndergaard to a one-year, $21 million deal, the Angels still are looking to add another starter to the rotation. Rondon had the breakout year the White Sox have been waiting for since he broke into the majors in 2015. So while he won't come cheap, the 28-year-old figures to be more affordable than the likes of Ray, Gosman, or Marcus Stroman. Yeah, he came out of literally nowhere. I never heard who he was, and he threw a no-hitter this year. Absolutely. He's a stud. And that, you talk about a nasty rotation. Dallas Keuchel, Carlos Rondon, Lance Lynn, and Lucas Giolito in Chicago. Yeah, I would want to get rid of any of those guys. Keep those guys around for a long time because that's shut down city right there. Next on the list is the Houston Astros. The potential free agent that they should acquire is Starling Marte. Having already brought Verlander back into the fold, Houston likely will address its center field void where the Astros had minimal production in 2021. Marte is the best free agent at the position, and at age 33, he could sign a three- or four-year deal. Yeah, and the guy literally can play anywhere in the outfield. He's very versatile, like, for real. It's, like, kind of scary how still good he is. 
Next team on the list is the Oakland Athletics, a potential free agent that they should get is Mark Belanson, who, I mean, I don't know why he... He is a Padre this year, and I'm pretty sure he let MLB in saves this year. I don't know why he... I don't know why he didn't sign his... He denied his little, like, one-year, ten-year thing with us. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. But, yeah, like right here. It says right here. Melanson led the majors with 39 saves, but he'll turn 37 prior to opening day, making it likely that he will have to settle on a one-year deal. I don't know why he wants to move. Like, literally, you have a you have a for-sure spot in San Diego to be the closer. Why leave? The Athletics are in, re are in rebuilding mode, but someone will need to close games for them. If Melanson or a pitcher such as Brad Hand or Alex Colome can put together a good first half, Oakland might find itself with a valuable commodity to deal with for the trade deadline. I, I don't I don't like that. I don't know why he didn't sign his tenure. What such a lame -o. Next team on the list is the Seattle Mariners, a potential free agent that they could, could go out and get is Trevor Story, another probably the top three shortstop on the market. It goes, I mean, I dislike I like Seeger more than Correa, so I'm just gonna do it that way, but everyone has Correa being number one. So Correa, Seeger, Story, the big three right there. So general manager Jerry DePoto has said that J.P. Crawford will be the Mariners shortstop in 2022, but that doesn't mean Seattle won't pursue one of the premier free agent shortstops on the market. Story could play second base, third base, or possibly even center field, giving potential suitors plenty to think about. Yeah, he's athletic enough to play all those spots. Like, literally, he's that good. <laughs> like, no joke. And last team on the list for the American League West is the Texas Rangers, who one potential free agent that they could go out and get is Chris Taylor of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Rangers are planning to spend this winter, and Taylor feels like the perfect fit for a club with the number of holes to fill. Taylor's versatility, he can play pretty much anywhere on the diamond, is the ultimate weapon for a manager, and Rangers skipper Chris Woodward is quite familiar with Taylor from their days together with the Dodgers. Yeah, please, another Dodger. Get out of L.A., please. Make the team worse so my Padres can, you know, take the division. Thank you. <laughs> so no more American League teams. Now moving on to the National League teams. First division is the NL East. For the Braves, one free agent that they should acquire is Michael Conforto from the New York Mets. Outfielders Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, and Jorge Soler did a fantastic job for the Braves after being acquired prior to the trade deadline. Now all but Duvall are free agents leaving Atlanta in search of outfield help once again. Conforto had a disappointing 2021 season, but the Braves know how good he was during his solid years with the Mets, making him a great bounce-back candidate for next season. Dude, he's good. Uh, yeah, guys can have a terrible year and still be good, so he actually would be a very good fit in Atlanta. Next team is the Miami Marlins, who potentially could go out and get Nick Castellanos. This dude, is he's going to get some big money. A team will go out and give him a big contract. Miami needs to add an impact bat to lengthen its lineup so what better player to pursue than Castellanos who grew up in South Florida and would fill an outfield need for the club other potential targets could include Avisel Garcia and Eddie Rosario but Castellanos stands out as the best fit the guy is insane he led triple he led the MLB in triples like three or four years ago with the Tigers he was one of the best hitters in the league this year of the top hitters this this entire season average was above 300 the whole year absolutely incredible next team on the list is the New York Mets a player that they could potentially sign is Anthony Desclafani. Having already lost Syndergaard to the Angels, the Mets also face the defection of Stroman as a free agent, leaving holes in their rotation. Desclafani, who grew up in New Jersey, had an, had an excellent year for the Giants in 2021 and should be a popular target for pitching needy clubs. Yes, leave San Francisco. All the teams that are in the NLS besides the Padres, all the good players, just leave. That'd be awesome. Make it easy. <laughs> Next team on the list is the Washington Nationals, 
potential player that they could target is Eduardo Eduardo Escobar. The Nationals could decide to go big and pursue Chris Bryant, but Escobar has had the same type of production as the former NL Most Valuable Player and likely will cost less. Escobar's primary position is third base, where the Nationals had a .682 OPS last season, ranking 12th in the National League. He can also play the other three infield spots, which would give Washington options on a daily basis. He's solid. He played for Arizona for a long time. I th- He's a very underrated third baseman, in my opinion. Next team on the list is the Philadelphia Phillies. A potential player that they could go out and get is Rossell Iglesias. Philadelphia has been trying to solve its bullpen problems for a few years, a trend that will continue this winter. Along with Kenley Jansen, Iglesias is one of the top two closers on the market, having posted 34 saves with a 2.57 ERA for the Angels in 2021, while striking out a career-best 13.2 batters per nine innings. Dude, that is off the charts. 13 guys per nine innings? That's insane. That's like, that's literally like almost two and a half times through the rotation. That's crazy. Next team on the list, the Milwaukee Brewers. Mark Canna is the potential player they may go out and get. Canna has been a steady performer for Oakland the past few years, but unlike some of the top free agents, the 32-year-old could fit within the Brewers' payroll limits. Canna has also played first base during his career. Given Milwaukee's need for a right-handed option at that position, his versatility could be put to use. Okay. I mean, I, I thought he was solid in Oakland, so hopefully Milwaukee can use him. Next team on the list, the St. Louis Cardinals. Potential player they could go out and get is Steven Matz. Starting pitching tops the list of needs for the Cardinals this winter. While they might not want to pay up for such top free agents as Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray, or Kevin Gosman, there's plenty of talent available. Matt's bounced back from a dreadful 2020 season, going 14-7 with a 3.82 ERA and 29 starts for the Blue Jays, putting him in position to land the multi-year deal he had helped for a year ago. Okay, good bounce back year to get some cash, dude. There you go. Next team on the list is the Chicago Cubs. Potential player that they could go out and get is Yusei Kikuchi. Kikuchi opted out of the final year and $13 million of his contract with Seattle after the Mariners declined to exercise a four-year $66 million club option. The 30-year-old posted a 4.41 ERA with 163 strikeouts over 157 innings, ranking in the top half of the league in strikeout percentage, chase rate, and swing and miss percentage. Regardless of that ERA being in the mid-fours, those are all pretty awesome things to rank in. Ranking in the top half, that's pretty impressive. And Yusei Kikuchi is solid. He's a good back-end rotation guy, four or five. He'd fit in nicely. Last team, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mike Flaneski is a potential player for them to go out and grab. Flaneski has struggled since his 2018 All-Star season. He made 28 appearances, 24 starts this past season for the Rangers and had a 5.44 ERA. Foldnowitz just turned 30, making him a potential bounce-back candidate for a Pirates team looking to fail its rotation even after a reported agreement with lefty Jose Quintana. So, yeah, they Pittsburgh, need, they're another one, another team that's just rebuilding. They need all the help they can get. Like, really. <laughs> they really need help. It's it's not looking good for them. This It's always hard when there's teams that are in that rebuild phase and they're telling the fans it's a rebuild phase. Why would you even want to watch the team? It's not exciting when the team's terrible, obviously. And, yeah, no one wants to get a guy. I mean, yes, he saw, but a 5.44 ERA? Yeah, I don't know. It's not very good. And sorry, this is the last team in this division. The Cincinnati Reds. They could potentially go out and get Brad Boxberger. Boxberger from Milwaukee 
had his finest overall season since his 2015 All-Star year, posting a 3.34 ERA for the Brewers and a career-high 71 appearances. The Reds utilized a closer-by-committee approach last season. They may do so again in 2022, and adding a proven veteran would give manager David Bell another late-inning option. Might as well, because Boxberger is very legit. And that name, that last name is killer. <laughs> now, the last division in the NL in the National League is the NL West, where my Padres reside. The first team on the list is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They, they potentially could go out and get Ian Kennedy. Kennedy and the D-backs discussed a potential reunion last offseason before the right-hander signed with the Rangers, so the idea of him returning to Arizona isn't far-fetched. Kennedy had 26 saves and a 3.20 ERA with the Rangers and Phillies in 2021, showing he can still be an effective closer as he enters his age 37 season. Next team on the list, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I don't even want to say who they could potentially get, but they could go out and get Chris Bryant. Which would be, I don't even have words for it. I'm, I can't even speak because it's so crazy. Bringing back Scherzer and or Seager figures to be the top priority for the Dodgers, but adding another bat will also be on Los Angeles's offseason agenda. Bryant, Bryant can play third base or the outfield, assuming the introduction of the universal designated hitter. Justin Turner can vacate third base if the Dodgers land Bryant. Please don't. Don't land him, please. Just don't. 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 Please don't. Capital letters don't, okay? Because we don't need him in Los Angeles, okay? Next team on the list is San Francisco Giants. Hmm. Another great potential player that they could go out against. Max Scherzer. He's going to jump teams in the NLS, apparently. The Giants attempted to trade for the ace prior to the trade deadline. Given the current state of their rotation, Logan Webb is the only one of their five regular starters from 2021 who is under contract next season. It wouldn't be surprising to see them make a run at Scherzer. Subtracting him from the Dodgers rotation would be a bonus for San Francisco. Yes, but not a bonus for anyone else. Like, really, no one else. It only benefits them, and I don't want that. <laughs> Next team on the list, my San Diego Padres could potentially go out and get Marcus Stroman. This would be killer. The Padres' acquisition of Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove last season didn't result in a postseason berth, so San Diego likely will try to add to its rotation again. Stroman has posted three strong seasons in a row, pitching to a 3.12 ERA since the start of 2019. He also won't cost his next team a draft pick, as he was not eligible to receive a qualifying offer this winter after accepting one a year ago. That would be awesome if we got him. That rotation and with Mike Clevenger coming back, nasty. And potentially bringing Mackenzie Gore up, nasty. Yes, Padres, pursue that, please. And the last team that we are covering, the Colorado Rockies, a potential player that they could go out and get is Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber had his best overall season in 2021, hitting 32 home runs with a career-high .928 OPS with the Nationals and Red Sox. He can fill an outfield spot for the Rockies, though the expectation of a universal DH being introduced would give Colorado options for the slugger. Bring that, yes. He would be an, an amazing fit in Colorado. And he actually is someone I wouldn't mind coming to an NL West rival team because, like, he's actually sick. Like, I don't want the Dodgers or the Giants getting good. I could care less about the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, truthfully, because they've always sucked. I mean, so have the Padres. But the Giants and the Dodgers are always the pretty much like the big two teams that get everybody. So, hopefully, yeah, just don't get any better. Please stay the way you are. Get No, actually, for the Dodgers – Get rid of Seager. 
Get rid of Scherzer. Get rid of all those guys, please. Make it easy for the Padres to win a World Series. <laughs> that would be awesome because this offseason, there's a ton of guys going everywhere. And we don't know where guys are going to end up. Like literally some teams that suck may end up being the best team next year because of how many rad guys are on the market this season. But that's the best part about baseball is the offseason. That's pretty much the best part about any sport is the offseason and where the big name guys will end up going. And obviously there are potentially some huge names in here that could literally turn around a franchise in one offseason. So yeah. Awesome. Great MLB action. Great MLB news. Excited for the next season. It can't come any quicker. Next agenda. Next thing we have on the agenda, excuse me, is NBA. So this is another article from CBS Sports. So I don't know if anybody watched it, but the Lakers in the Detroit game a couple days ago. So LeBron James and another player on the on the Detroit Pistons, his name is Isaiah Stewart, had a you know a little scuffle. But this is the full breakdown. So nobody needs to remind anyone that the ugliest brawl in NBA history took place in Detroit. The infamous, the infamous malice at the Palace was back in 2004, and on Sunday night, we might have been dangerously close to a similar on-court scene. It happened in the third quarter of the Lakers-Piston game. Jeremy Grant was shooting a free throw, and as LeBron James and Detroit's Isaiah Stewart battled for rebounding position, LeBron took a wild swing with the closed fist backward, connecting with Stewart's face in what is nearly impossible to regard as anything other than an intentionally than intentional hostile act. Okay, and they showed multiple clips. You'd have to be the judge. Just go look at it on YouTube. They already have it pulled up. It looks pretty aggressive. Looks pretty gnarly. So that was the start of a scene that quickly started to spiral. Stewart and LeBron had to be separated. And from there, Stewart, with his face now covered in blood, basically lost his mind trying to fight his way through anyone and everyone to get at James. He even tried to break free through the tunnel, with the Lakers bench being warned to watch for Stewart coming out on the other side. Once they showed video of the punch on the big screen, fans inside the arena started to get palpably agitated. The PA announcer instructed everyone to stay in their seats as memories of the malice at the palace started running through everyone's mind. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, it was Detroit and Indiana. It was when Ron Artest was Ron Artest, not Meta World Peace, but when he went in the crowd and just beat that absolute crap out of a fan, and it was just like 20 people going out. It was, it's definitely the gnarliest fight we've ever seen in sports, no doubt. And obviously, this it could have easily gotten out of hand. Credits, credit to everyone who didn't let that happen because it could have been a repeat of what happened previously. When the dust settled, LeBron was assessed a flagrant two and ejected from the game. Stewart, who was charged with a loose ball foul, was assessed two technical fouls for his reaction and was also ejected. Russell Westbrook also received a technical foul, and there's even footage of him after the game, after the post-game interview. He didn't even know he got teed up, which is funny. We're clearly going to be hearing a lot more about this. Stewart and James are almost certainly going to face suspensions, but let's not lose sight of what caused this. It was LeBron's purposeful punch. Again, it is impossible to look at the video and think anything other than LeBron swung at Stewart with the closed fist on purpose. You can argue about whether he intended to hit him in the face, but that doesn't really matter. He swung with intent, he swung high, and he absolutely smoked Stewart. And his reaction, while also not acceptable and deserving of a suspension in its own right, was certainly understandable. So how long will LeBron's suspension be? Based on precedent, the best guess would be two to three games, and probably leans toward two. You can at least argue LeBron didn't fully intend to hit Stewart in the face, though I'm not sure what he thought was going to happen swinging that high with that within that proximity, whereas in the 2018 Rockets-Lakers brawl, obviously that one's even more classic, 
Brandon Ingram, who got a four-game suspension, and Rajon Rondo, who got three games, both through both through clearly intentional punches to the face. So yeah, some recent NBA action with guys trying to duke it out. <laughs> and yeah, the Lakers suck this year. For anybody who's a Lakers fan, they have had a horrible start to the season, and now they're losing again. LeBron literally comes back for his injury. Hey, man, we get LeBron back. Hey, the team's struggling. Maybe you can help us out a little bit. You know, the chemistry is not really working. The defense sucks. Offense really isn't getting in a groove yet. Oh, hey, you're out three. You're out three games. Potentially, potentially three. We know for sure two. Yeah, awesome, dude. Good job. So, I don't know. Not a fan of the dirty play, obviously. I am a LeBron James fan, but obviously I'm not a fan of that at all. And obviously we had one earlier this year, not from him, but from Nicole Jokic. Absolutely destroying Marcus Morris on a push destroying him and that was purposeful that one is even worse than LeBron's destroyed that guy pushed him in the back super cheap shot and he got sus- and he's got suspended as well so so far in basketball we've seen some pretty gnarly stuff specifically brawls and some dirty play but enough basketball that was really the only thing I wanted to cover because basketball nothing really is exciting in basketball right now because it's just you know they play so many they play so many games and it's the same thing every game yeah so nothing really exciting but that was one of the more recent you know recent you know, huge stories in basketball. But lastly, I just want to talk about my ASU Sun Devils, just a little quick dive in. So right now, they're now 7-4 and four in football. Not the season we wanted. Terrible loss this week in Oregon State. Can't believe we lost in Corvallis. It's so embarrassing. We are now second in the Pac-12 South. When we were first, started off 3-0, and 2-0. and And then we have a, a, a primetime television, televised game against BYU and ASPN, and we absolutely get smoked. And then from there... The season just went downhill. So many flags. Offense can't get in a groove. Defense is playing whatever. Herm Edwards can't seem to get the team together, to gel together. It's just terrible. I don't get my hopes up anymore for the football team because they just can never, ah, they can never do it. They They have such a good recruiting class, and they never, ever perform the way they should. So now, they are second in the Pac-12 South and are watching their bowl chances slowly slip away. It's so frustrating. Especially watching a team that you like. I mean, I went to school there. I watched some awesome teams. I watched the Sun Devils beat Justin Herbert when he was at Oregon in one of probably the biggest game of college that year for the Pac-12. One of the big... We rushed the field, for God's sake. That game was crazy. That was an amazing team. And yet, we can't seem to put it together this year. Come on. Dude, annoying. But in other news... Our college, college basketball has started, duh. And even though we're off to a 2-2 two and two start, ACU basketball is one of the top programs in the Pac-12. And the two losses that we've had this year have been from four total combined points, one being a half-court shot to lose the game against University of California Riverside. <laughs> Lame. We lost to them by two. And we lost to San Diego State by two. And the so the funny thing is, if anybody that doesn't know, I work for San Diego State, and I actually was working another game on campus while that game was happening, and I would have loved to, you know, be working that game instead, but I was I was covering the women's volleyball game, but yeah, on campus, I didn't even get to go see my team, but yeah, we lost by two points, a, apparently a huge hype game, so yeah, I'm I love my Sun Devils and the and and I will always root for them, but specifically just keep watching out for basketball because football is pretty much over now and we know in college football what teams are going to the playoffs oh georgia bama wake forest clemson what's new okay baylor all the same teams okay it gets old that's why college football is annoying but college basketball is always different but if we're going to look out 
But if we're watching basketball, obviously, I'm an ASU fan, so I'm always going to be watching them, watch everybody. But ASU specifically, if you want to get into them or just want to watch them specifically, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out specifically for Marcus Bagley. Sophomore, beast, cousin of cousin of another Bagley in the NBA. Pretty crazy, man. It's it's cool seeing that talent one level and then the next level. It's pretty crazy. And the team is much different too. We don't have Josh Christopher anymore. And we lost Remy Martin as well. Remy Martin now plays for Kansas and Josh Christopher plays for the Rockets. He decided to leave after one year. Man, it would have been awesome to have him at least for one more. But he decided to leave. And you know what? He's going to be nasty. That that Houston team is super young, and they are going to be a team to be reckoned with, a force to be reckoned with in three and four years. But anyway, no more of my ranting about Arizona State. That is all the time we have for episode 80. 80 episodes. I've been doing this since almost, I'm trying to think, almost a year now. I started this in February of 2021. Crazy, people. 80 episodes. Thank you for obviously tuning in and tuning in for just the 80 episodes I have done. Check back in on Friday at 5 p.m. to hear episode 81 and more sports news and coverage. I will see you all then. Later.